0: Welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. Hello Mr Corsdyke, how are you?
1: Not bad, thank you yourself.
0: Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right, thanks. Good. So, Stu, you suggested that we talk to our lovely Conveyancing Matters audience about the rather vexed and very irritating matter of redemption statements which I think has been a hot potato and a hot topic before everything that's currently a hot topic was a hot topic. (laughs) So Stu, what's got your goat really recently about redemption statements from lenders?
1: Number one, getting them in the first place um, is proving more and more difficult. Um, But more than anything else, it's, it's early repayment fees or early repayment charges that are on these statements and whether they apply or not. And why on earth, if a client's porting a mortgage and the early repayment fee doesn't apply, do they stick it on the redemption figure? Um, Why can't they produce something in writing to us that says, you know, if you complete simultaneously on the new mortgage, blah, 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 blah. Um, There are the odd bank that has now started to do that uh, within the new mortgage offer, but it's far too many that don't. And it's a, a subject that I think now is, you know, causing greater, greater, greater risk permutations, we've had a number lately where we've been directly told by the client that the early repayment fee doesn't apply, directly told by the mortgage broker that the early repayment fee doesn't apply, and told by the bank that the early repayment fee doesn't doesn't apply, Uh, and then subsequently, the bank tell us, oh, we got it wrong, it does apply after all.
0: Oh, what basis yes. would they be saying That's due? If you'd completed, simultaneously completed the sale, redeemed the old mortgage and got the new mortgage product, presumably on the same terms or portable terms, and you completed on the same day. But how, do you, basis- know?
1: But how do you know what product your client got when they initially took out that mortgage? You're reliant on what you're told by... Oh, no. I get that. No,
0: sorry, love. What I'm saying is, on what basis, if that's the scenario, were the lenders saying, oh, oh, no, the early redemption uh, penalty is payable?
1: Well, we don't know, because the innuendo is that it wasn't the same product. You know, it's changed or something's Mm -hmm. happened that we don't know about. Potentially, at the onset of the transaction, when the clients were talking to their their lender or looking at potential mortgages, maybe they were going to get a product that was going to be ported but you know we don't know what what's gone on during that kind of uh you know mortgage application process period um, i just find it strange that you know we can be left in a situation where we have to give an undertaking a legally binding promise that we're going to do something to then potentially um have to cover that situation it's, it seems to me it's ludicrous
0: well, it's that age-old thing that we say all the time, Stuart, it's because we're properly insured. Uh, and actually, I did, um, before we started to have a chat, I did look at the Joint Law Society and, as it still describes its CML statement on mortgage redemption statements. Um, I'm not quite sure when it was produced, I must say. But um, But, you know, for the benefit of the lovely people who are looking at watching this with slightly less experience, clearly what we're talking about is when a client has a mortgage and they are selling we obviously have to undertake to promise to pay off that mortgage out of the sale proceeds and I can't believe now Stu there isn't a conveyancer out there that doesn't get a redemption figure on that or an indicative redemption figure you know at the beginning of the transaction way before exchange which you would then send to your client your seller and say is this correct and that's normally the point at which perhaps yep. another two, three, four, five grand's worth of early redemption penalties apply. Um, and they would be um, a penalty effectively for uh, the borrower you know, getting out of an existing mortgage product early. That's usually what that's to do with. Uh, and what we're talking about when we're talking about porting is basically the borrower moving from their existing property and their existing mortgage product to a new property and a mortgage product with the same lender that is on terms that allows them to avoid the early redemption penalties on the sale. So that's what we're talking about. But I think what um, (coughs) most of us, you know, are going to have to do because I don't think in many cases we can actually clearly rely on certainly nothing verbal from a lender. I mean, I've not relied on a verbal comment on the phone from a lender for a very, very long time, but I think we must be having to tell our seller clients, well, well, seller stroke buyer clients, unless we can get something in writing from that lender to confirm that um, those early redemption penalties won't apply, um, then we're going to have to ask the client for them up front and the client's going to have to argue. But that, of course, inevitably puts us in that really difficult, invidious position because we're on the front line against you, aren't we?
1: This is the problem, isn't it? You know, this is the problem. Um, we toyed with the idea of, you know, holding back a retention to cover that amount so that, you know, that, that could be used if, if it didn't apply all sorts of different scenarios. But at the end of the day, the client's then still got to potentially fund um, fund that figure if, if there is that shortfall. It's so, OK, if there's sale proceeds going back to the client, of course, it's not so difficult then. But if there's not and, and it's going to be utilised on the purchase, which nine times out of ten, that's what we're talking about, because that's the concern. Um where they are potentially porting, then, of course, it's, it's a massive, massive issue. But when you say about not relying on um, what a bank tells you, um, I mean, we had a number of early repayment fees where we had it, um, a conversation with the bank. We had the call recorded, full notes of who we've spoken to, so on and so forth. So the bank are directly telling us that it can be removed, the broker's telling us, the client's telling us. So to then explain to the client that we're not going to deduct that is a really difficult position to be in.
0: It absolutely is.
1: Really, really, really difficult position to be in. Um, And trying to explain that logic to the client is incredibly hard.
0: Yeah, I completely get you. But at the end of the day, it's always that tension, isn't it? Between, well, why should... You know, why should you, why should PCS Legal potentially be picking up the tab, um, you know, in the event that something goes wrong? And the answer is, uh, well, you shouldn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, we we've had a few over the years where, you know, we make it quite clear when we request a redemption statement, we actually detail that we are going to act on the figures the bank gives us and we are going to give an undertaking based on the figure you give us. So we make that quite clear to the bank in writing when we request our redemption statements. Um, we have um, made various complaints to banks over the years and we have managed to get a few back, um, but it's, it just seems to be a, a crazy situation. I can potentially understand the initial redemption statement having the early repayment fee okay. on, not knowing you know, if the purchase is, is, is going to complete, and I can understand the risk from the bank's perspective at the early stages but not when we've already exchanged, you know, we're, we're completing in the next week or so. For them not to be able to put that in writing to, it, to us, which most don't, is a really difficult position to be in for, for a lawyer. And, you know, at the end of the day, we give the undertaking and we've got to abide by it.
0: I so agree. I mean, the- I think the reality actually is, and, uh, and I'm, you know, very happy if any, if any lenders want to come on and, and, and put me right, I have to say, but I think that the vast majority of lenders don't read the communications that they get from conveyances requesting these, because certainly the t- a couple of things that I've always tried to do sort of more recently, What you know, when I was in practice, sort of on my own account. But the one I got caught with quite a few years ago now that really, really sticks in my mind, of course, uh, and it's a slightly different matter, but of course it was the age old um uh, I was acting on a purchase. I accepted an undertaking from the seller's solicitor. And in fact, I'm sure I've talked about this on one of our events and matters before, Stu, but I accepted an undertaking from the seller's solicitor um, to redeem the um, seller's Barclays mortgage. And um, Barclays at the 11th hour uh, wouldn't discharge the charge because the seller had some additional commercial borrowing. Which they then claimed was sort of encapsulated, and it took must have taken the best part of a year to resolve. (coughs) Uh, Now, as it happens, um, my client curiously was was very very high up in the insurance industry, delightful, delightful people, Uh, and he sort of understood the issue and and wasn't too concerned. And it but it got really quite interesting for lawyers, I suppose, because our mortgage was actually with the Woolwich, which of course was part of the Barclays, under the Barclays umbrella. So I was getting the Nazi letters from Woolwich and the emails saying, well, you know, why uh, haven't you registered our charge yet? And I've said, well, you know, because Barclays wouldn't release, um, you know, Barclays wouldn't release on sale. And eventually I got the consent of the seller solicitor to give the full details of, of the seller scenario to Woolwich. It did eventually resolve itself was no point in sort of threatening to you know see the solicitors under the undertaking or you know take you know, professional conduct action because it was patently obvious they were doing all they could to resolve it mm. but it was just you know so I always after that always in my requests for redemption statements due included reference to and please confirm if there's any commercial borrowing and I yeah. also because again I've been caught on this put um a note in there about and please confirm that this is all of the mortgage accounts that are going to be redeemed and the number of times again you get to you know towards completion and lo and behold there's some additional borrowing that you didn't know about that the lenders miraculously discovered in the Yeah,
1: it's is strange isn't it I, I think it is an area that we um that we're kind of uh we've we, we dropped into this process scenario haven't we so we sell. Oh, we get a mortgage account number. We request a redemption statement. But are we really thinking about what we're doing? We get the figures in. We've really got to analyze those figures. And like you say, there's questions to still be asked. Yeah. Um, there's different facilities that can go with a mortgage where accounts have overdrafts, um, as well as commercial borrowing. Like you say, you know, there's, it's far too um, risky um, to have a scenario. And then it's, it's, you know, we are applying for a final redemption statement And we always use the word final we have it underlined in the request um you know, final means final we're given an undertaking based on what you tell us and you can willy nilly get that wrong with no consequence as yeah say, well it i've take had me- a look
0: actually Stu, and you might be interested because there's quite a lot of information um and guidance notes on this thing for, you know between the law society and as was the cml and um, clearly incorrect redemption statements, just the sort of general, and they're sort of you know a good sort of three, nearly four pages of guff. To and we then get to the CML view, and you'll like this. This is their first their first line in a joint response, mind you. Steve. And the lender's initial response is: many of the difficulties described above would be reduced if, as a matter of course solicitors gave lenders correct information about the borrower, the property, the account number, etc. And they then did go on to say, and lenders in turn operated internal cross-checking systems. Um, But what they did say, probably of absolutely no comfort to solicitors and conveyancers out there at all, if the solicitor relying on an incorrect redemption statement provided by the lender sends insufficient money to redeem the mortgage the lender should discharge the mortgage
1: they don't know do they
0: no and that's
1: the that's the point isn't it um they don't and the point is that you have you know your opposing lawyer uh talking about the undertaking you've given mm. and whatever way you look at it there's a a, a difference here isn't it they're two separate subjects once you've given that undertaking that's the undertaking you've given to that opposing lawyer. And therefore <clears throat> you've got to abide by it. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean the, the way sub, I the sub
1: issue the sub-issue of the bank then maybe sorting it out is different. But what happens if the early repayment fee is 30 grand? Um we're traditionally talking about maybe lower figures, aren't we? But you know I've seen mortgages of early repayment fees as high as that. Um, you know, the thing is though, it doesn't in a sense
0: it doesn't matter for the borrower who's borrowed up to the hill. The amount of the redemption figure is irrelevant. If you, you know, if you can't afford two grand or you can't afford 30 grand, it doesn't, if you haven't got that money in the bin, the actual figure <laughs> in a way sort of doesn't matter. But I think the only thing we can do, and I absolutely agree that it's not um, palatable and it's difficult and in many cases might not be possible, but if we get a scenario where we've got early redemption penalties that we know about before exchange, and I think we can't get something in writing from the lender to confirm that if mortgage offer dated X you know, completes on the same day, then you, PCS Legal, don't need to send us that figure. If we can't get that before exchange, then I think we have to, to protect ourselves, expect our client to give us, um, to give us the additional funds. And they would have to just go and argue with their mortgage lender and their mortgage broker
1: about it. Yep. That's what we say. That's exactly what we tell our clients. We say that, you know, if this figure can be deducted, why can't the bank confirm that in writing to us? If you can get it out of them, we can get it out of them. We're fine to deduct it. If we can't, you've got to sort it out after completion. It's not us being difficult. You know, these are the reasons we need it. We need it to give the undertaking, blah, 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 blah. Um, without doing this, you can't complete um, simple yeah. as
0: that. I think as well um, and of course that then leads to those um, those difficult other questions and sometimes that information you don't want your clients to give you because then you've got the issue of well, okay, where is that additional two, three, four, ten grand coming from mm. to enable to, to fill that gap to enable the client to complete because of course the, then the issue is well are they getting yeah. it from other? Alone sources whether it's a credit card or whatever because that then drives you back into the cul-de-sac yeah. of not yeah. being able to proceed having just reversed out of it you're then going straight <coughs> back into it aren't you
1: yeah of course they could be borrowing it off another individual and we're going yeah. down the same road again that leads us into this sort of ream of, of, of more inquiries and, and more problems that we've got to sort out just for the sake of you know the bank not being able to put something in writing to us if it is applicable, why can't I?
0: Yeah, and well, and again, of course, because, of course, that leads to the facts, do I suppose, the logical conclusion of that discussion is that perhaps relatively late in the day, because you had, or your client and you, all the figures you'd been assuming that the early redemption penalty would be um, deductible, that if the client's got to stump up that extra money, you've then got the additional... A source of funds and source of wealth checks yeah. to do on that extra money that's suddenly going to have to flow yeah. into the transaction, yeah. Yeah. Uh, albeit it's it's pertinent to the sale. But if they've got to find the money from somewhere and it's a related purchase, you've got you've got that issue, haven't you? Yep, yeah, And I wonder how many firms think about that. I'd be really interested to know what firms do and actually whether firms are prepared to sort of share their um, not their mistakes because I think it's rarely the, the error of the firm. I have to say, I think we all try and do the job as well as we can. You know, we all drop the ball occasionally. Let's not, you know, let's not pretend that we don't. But I'd be interested to know, you know, what experience conveyances have had and what other, short of just forcing your client to give you the money and refusing to proceed without it, I'm not really sure what other solution there is.
1: We we cover the position in our terms and conditions to state that that's the case. We'll be needing to repay the, the, the full amount. Uh, and we also have a standardised report that goes to the client when we receive the initial redemption statement. So where we request it at the onset, where it's yeah, likely yeah. to include it, uh, we have a, a report that goes to the client that explains why we need it and what we're going to be doing with it. Um, and the fact that if there is the early repayment fee, we need to repay it unless the bankers specifically put it in writing that we don't have to. Yeah.
0: and I, I think think think, That's all um, you can
1: cover off, isn't it?
0: It is, and I think actually, I mean, what this probably reminds us, and I think it's a case of twas ever thus due, but I just think it's got worse, actually, and certainly, of course, in the last sort of six, eight months, even worse because of the pressure that everybody's under. Uh, to my mind now, and again, I'm quite willing to be corrected on this, but it's almost not worth ringing the lender for these Correct. issues. Because there is, you know, the reality, unless we're just checking, have you got the cop? Now you're going to send us the money. But for all of these other issues, it's almost not worth picking up the phone. It's not worth wasting the time because it's happened to us all too many times that the lender has said something to us. We've relied on that conversation in good faith and that subsequently turned out not to be the case. Um, or they just conveniently um, say, oh, I didn't hear it, no record. Um, you know, they were wrong. You know, it happens too often, I think. But, but,
1: but it's too much of an easy excuse. We were wrong. That person's left, left us now. You know, they, they told us the incorrect information. Well, that's all very well. But this isn't something that's, you know, an easy get out. You know, we informed you we were going to give an undertaking. The severity of what we were doing Uh, by relying on the figures you've given us.
0: I think also what a lot of people across the conveyancing world forget, and I include lenders in this, you know, the amount of money that's involved, the amount of money that people make out of the conveyancing process, too. And in actual fact, and I've held this view for a long time, and I bore people with this, I'm going to bore you with this, (coughs) But the entire conveyancing process hangs on that undertaking from the seller's conveyancer to the buyer's conveyancer, and the entire process hangs on the fact that PCS Legal have got indemnity insurance and that you'll pick up the tab if that undertaking's wrong. The entire conveyancing process hangs on that one thing. Yep,
1: 100%.
0: And so why other parts of the industry, the lenders in particular, aren't trying to support us in that. I find it extraordinary. Because yeah. if you know if the convincing um process sort of falls down, well, everybody loses out. Yeah, completely agree.
1: But also, it's it's now it's also it's the time it's taking to get this information from the lenders. You know, we we have to give them plenty of notice. Uh when we give them, you know, to all the monies in on, on a purchase, well, sometimes we give them weeks on a sale. We still don't get the redemption figures through. They yeah. seem to be impossible to collate. Um it, it's really uh, an area that's becoming, you know, annoying, um, vexed and, and, and frustrated and, and, of course, so risky.
0: Well, that's the thing. And of course, we'll all get, well, importantly, do you, do you refer to it as an indicative redemption figure when you request that initial figure before, right at the beginning before exchange to make it clear that you're not wanting to redeem so that they don't right. close down, yeah. you know, an open plan yeah. current account and all of that? Because uh, I've certainly had that before where I've had <clears throat> my client ring me saying, but I can't use cash point. <laughs> and it's <laughs> cash fired because the lenders closed their current account thinking we're about to redeem their mortgage. And, you know, we got the piffing from them yesterday. sort of. Thing. <laughs> but um, but I think, you know, however hard you try, uh, it feels sometimes that we're going to be sort of thwarted. really. I mean, I wonder whether, I mean, what are you experiencing this issue with the lender stew sort of, I mean, I hate to say it, but sort of, you know, pre-COVID, pre-stamp duty land tax holiday, or I mean, I know everything's become more. I
1: think it's. I think it's always been there. This issue uh, and the reluctance for the lender to commit to it has always been there. Yeah. But without a doubt, it's become more and more common. You could argue, yeah, I can understand the lenders. You know, in their legal departments uh, are busier, uh, but so are we, and and yeah. we're the ones that seem to get the pelters for being busy, um, and yet other industries such as the banks don't seem to get anywhere near the criticism we do um you know with with the moving the housing market so it doesn't seem fair
0: well i think a different conversation Stuart. and we perhaps should leave it there but of course the different conversation is that and again (laughs) another long-held view of mine is that you know you and i are the face of the process um and i would go so far as to say and i'm you know um you know unpopular opinion perhaps we ought to do a conveyance matter on unpopular opinions but those and certainly when I was in practice I mean clearly less so now of course but those organizations where you you have a figurehead you have a face you have fee earners, you have solicitors licensed conveyancers who are out there who are the face of the organization dealing with clients and getting the business in and therefore taking the flap when something goes wrong that is a different. You know, business model to the frankly rather sort of faceless organizations that that have a whole host of people behind the scenes because there's no personal consequence there's no responsibility in a way and I think that's I think that's the difference and and that I would say that for conveyances but that's certainly the case with the banks I mean if everybody wants to jump on social media and criticize a bank or a lender let's not name any well there's a big so what factor isn't there if everybody piles onto social media and slags you a meal there is a there is a personal consequence
1: yep, i completely agree and i suppose you know without without getting the mortgage you know people can't can't proceed so they're less likely to maybe uh, moan about their banks but it does seem ironic that you know we're sort of so duty-bound to to do this do that but it's certainly not reciprocal in the way that we deal with the banks anyway
0: no well, I think on that rather depressing little note, Stu, mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully, you know, people have picked up the odd, the odd tip and the additional things that they need to be requesting on their redemption. I think uh,
1: certainly, Lawfare, is something that you've got to cover off in your terms and conditions. Uh, yeah. And I think definitely, you know, the, the, looking at the, the, the two sides of the, the, the fence, you know, the the, the letters or the, the emails you send requesting the figures do need to be detailed and equally reporting to the client on what you're receiving yeah. and, and what you're going to do with it you know, telling them what you're going to do with what you're receiving to explain why you need to do things in a certain way is, is, is definitely the way forward the only you know, way. I
0: think that, I mean I think that initial request needs to make it clear it's an indicative redemption figure and you're not seeking to redeem straight away you need to be asking if it covers off all mortgage, known mortgage account numbers yep. you need to be covering off is there any additional borrowing or commercial borrowing that they're going to expect so at least you've got a bit of a backup if they can suddenly come in with a bit of a doozy after exchange when they've suddenly bothered to look at it properly um and as you say it's got to go to the client because and I suppose not sort of to prolong the conversation but one of the things that's never ceased to amaze me over the years is the extent to which and I'm you know I'm not criticizing the great British public but the extent to which people do not have a clue about how much they owe and to whom and the fact that they might have Two or three different mortgage account numbers for the same mortgage product, because yeah. they perhaps took it out with two or three different rates, or they had a further advance to build the conservatory that they forgot about ten years ago. Whatever it is, um, and that just that general lack of knowledge from clients, which isn't a criticism. It's perhaps not surprising.
1: But, but I think um, I think what you've also got to be careful as well is that you don't be you don't get drawn into this scenario where you're reliant on the you know the mortgage advisor's figures that they've processed you know, if all of a sudden the broker's taken into account the early repayment fee being taken off and it's a substantial fee, how do we know that the client's budgeting is accurate? Um, so I always think we, we have to report on the, you know, the, the worst case scenario that being the full amount's being redeemed to avoid that, that potential issue or liability as well.
0: I must admit, I always used to do, and I used to characterise it this way to clients. I would always do my fag packet figures before exchange and if there are early redemption penalties, I'd have them into the mix. And if I'm um, frankly, Stu, if the client owed us money, I would pretty much always get it before exchange. However much the client owed us, I wouldn't ever do, i do a, a detailed completion statement with the exact figures, because to my mind and, and solicitors and conveyances might say, oh Lorraine, but you know, then you might be sending money back to the client after completion. Uh-huh. I'd rather be doing that than the other thing. So I'd always be doing those adjustments after but i would always do those global fact packet figures including i think
1: that company. kind of leads into another conversation doesn't it and, and that is you know what what are these preconceived ideas that we have about what is pre pre-exchange and, and post-exchange you know we could argue yeah. about bankruptcy searches in OS ones do we do it before do we do it after completion statements where did you align here
0: well i think i think that's a perfect place to end i think that's that's a bit of a cliffhanger, Stew, <laughs> isn't it? we we've we've, done, we've accidentally done a cliffhanger. <laughs> well, thanks for that, lovely, and uh, I will, I'm sure, see you soon. See you soon. Take care.